Uh, well, you know, the corporations are not uh, immune from keeping up with the Joneses. <laughs> you know, they really aren't. And, yeah. and, and, and the men and women that run these large corporations are competitive by their very nature. So therefore, mm. you know, they see their friends do it. They're going to do it too. They might not understand why. Right. But that's why we have people like you and, you know, yeah. higher ground in the world to explain to us why are we doing this? Welcome to Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground, where we talk about supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity with everyone from academics, historians, and business leaders. With your hosts, Chloe Guidry-Reed and Adam Moore, you'll hear inspiring stories and practical tips for overcoming challenges and gaining insight into supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity. Let's dive in. This episode is brought to you by Higher Ground. Higher Ground is a technology company whose mission is to bridge the wealth gap through access to procurement opportunities. Higher Ground is making the enterprise ecosystem more viable, profitable, and competitive by clearing the path for minority-led, women-led, LGBT-led, and veteran-led small businesses to contribute to the global economy as suppliers to enterprise organizations. For more information on getting started, please visit us at higherground.io. That's H-I-R-E-G-R-O-U-N-D.io. Now on to the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground. You're joined again by your two favorite hosts. I'm Adam Moore here with Chloe Goodry-Reed, and today we're going to be talking about tailspin and how it can be utilized to help you achieve your supplier diversity goals. Whether you're already aware of the idea of tailspin or you're completely unfamiliar and have no idea what I'm saying when I'm using that word, we're here to help guide you to using tailspin to better understand your business to better, to better support your business and also your supplier diversity efforts. So, Chloe, good to see you again today. Always a pleasure, Adam. Always a pleasure. So, what I, to your point in the intro, for those who don't know, let me let me define what Tailspin is. Yes, because we're big on that on this show, right? Making yes. sure we're all using the same lingo the same way. Yes. So, Tailspin is the money a company spends on purchases mm-hmm. that account for roughly anywhere from 75 to 80% of the total transactions, which make up about 20% of the company's spend by volume. These purchases are often too small to really go through the traditional procurement process or supply chain process, and are most of the time not frequent enough to be in any sort of catalog system and sometimes not in the traditional AP system. So when we talk about, you know, we need to, our our procurement process really starts at transactions over $100,000. I was thinking your traditional firms. Yeah, that's a very fair, fair mark in the sand. Mm -hmm. Yes. Or there just may may be a mark, you know, that Mm -hmm. after this, you need approval and it has to go through this system. So anything beneath that is technically tailspin, if you will. Anything's tailspin, right? And so, you know, a great way to think about that, a lot of people like, why in the who do you call it tailspin? Well, think about a sine curve. Right. And so we're not talking about number of transactions. We're talking about amount of dollars spent. Yeah. Right. So if you think of a sine curve and your big boys uh, are under the, the larger part of the sine curve, as the sine curve tails down, tails down towards zero, it's the tail part of that sine curve that we're talking about. So that's why it's called tailspin in the industry. I love that. Little known fact. Little known Did- fact. Right. Because I had. <laughs> I only know because I asked the question one day. I'm like, why in the world are we calling this tailspin? Why are we calling it like next to nothing spent? 
And I got the explanation. I was like, oh, okay. Makes sense. Yes, 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 yes. And so when we think about, I mean, that's, that, can, that can be an incredible volume you know, oh, yeah. when you think about it. And so yeah. I think oftentimes we don't think about some of those opportunities as suppliers or as corporations mm-hmm. in terms of just leveraging that for your supplier diversity spend. Right. And, you know, we've often talked about the risks of doing business with large corporations. Right. Right. Well, when we start talking tailspin, this means nine times out of 10, they're, they're using their corporate credit card. Absolutely. Right. Or they're writing a really fast PO in whatever AP system they're using. Nobody's, yeah. you're not going through the 13 risk categories and all these gory details we're talking about. Now, it's usually not a month over month purchase that's being made. Right. right? So there is, there's the risk there. But you don't have to worry about going through a six month onboarding process. Right. right. It's like, do I want your widget or not? Yes, no. Boom. Great. Done. Send me an invoice. Yeah. Exactly. 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 So when I think about some of this and, you know, we look at, you know, some of these um, tailspin opportunities, I mean, Mm -hmm. if you think about just travel, if you think about accommodations, if you think about conference plan, just some of these other sort of things that come Mm -hmm. up throughout the year that may not be a large, you know, seven figure contract, but at every opportunity, I feel like business units, category managers, Mm -hmm. everyone who's responsible for purchasing anything within the Mm -hmm. company has an opportunity to participate in the tailspin pieces around supply diversity. Oh, yeah. You know, it it reminds me of some stuff that we talked about back in one of our December episodes, and we were talking about ways to think outside the box to support diverse suppliers, right? And we were like, go to the local minority-owned coffee shop or restaurant or dry cleaner. It's the same. It's kind of the same principle, but in corporate America, right? When we're traveling, uh, there's quite a few hotels that are owned by minority players, right? They buy the franchise, right? The minority franchisees of whatever hotel chain you're staying in. Yeah. That's still a, you know, money spent with a minority owned firm. So, you know, there's opportunities just in our day-to-day business um, that we can use to do that, right? It's all in this tailspin category. Yeah. I think also it gives a lot of suppliers a foot in the door. So it's a great point. When you invite them to engage in an opportunity that falls Mm -hmm. into that, you know, organizational tailspin, they're more likely to get business with larger customers that maybe have a similar profile, but also it gives them an opportunity to, to figure out how to do business with this company at a low mm-hmm. risk sort of opportunity and then allow them, they're already in the system to re-engage on larger opportunities in the future. Right. Oh yes, most definitely. And if nothing else, the other thing you're doing too, is you're giving them business, they're able to start growing their business, right? They, they, they can't grow it if we're not spending money with them. So, you know, it's, it's, it, it definitely helps booster the economy on so many different levels, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I, th- I think one of the things we need to kind of pause and think about, though, is the problem on reporting this spent, mm. right? I think we yeah. can sit here and probably list a thousand different ways in tail spend that we can go and increase yeah. our spend with suppliers. It's now trying to report it, right? Because if you yeah. look at the reporting requirements, it is certified diverse spend, Right. And just yeah. because a minority owner might own their franchise and I'm spending money at that franchise, yes, I am spending money with a diverse business, but I might not necessarily be able to report it. Some businesses, you know, some 
firms, some industries are a little bit more loose with that interpretation, but a strict reading of the rules, right? So if we were mm. kind of going to hold ourselves against the standard of, um, you know, the Fed and then the NMSDC and, and WeBank, it is certified. It does specify certified spend, right? Right, And so that's really hard if my only transaction is on a receipt, essentially, right? Whether mm. it's physical or electronic to verify that right now, you know, one of the ways around that is to include your certification stamp on the receipt, mm. right? This that is, is I mean, brilliant. I never well, think about thought it, about right? That. I mean, have you, yeah. you've gone to the grocery store, right? And, and you can pick up products all over the place that has the WeBank label on the back of it. Now, WeBank does a great job of making sure their firms are using the WeBank logo on the back of their uh, products. I love that because uh, my I eyes seeing, go to that. Always. Right. And I'm exactly. like, oh, I can make a conscious decision about my purchasing yes. by being able to see this. And I think, you know, I'm so glad you brought that up because for suppliers who are not doing that, I think there's a missed opportunity because people who are looking to leverage their purchasing power in, you know, just general purchases that they're making. Right. You should definitely make sure that they um, that you have that right. out there and out front. Right. Right. I mean, you walk into restaurants or any different type of store and you'll see things like the health ratings and their different licenses they have to have. Why don't you just have your certification right next to right it? Right there. Yeah. I mean, I, I, how often do I go in an mentoring process and I walk into people's office and there's no mention of their certification anywhere? Hmm. Right. It's a piece of paper stuck in a folder in a filing cabinet. Yeah. Or it's still on an, somebody's email somewhere in an inbox. Yeah. Right. So it's it's one of those things that I think we just we have to as a as a corporate body right sit down and say okay how do we work this so that we can start measuring some of this spent because there's a yeah. lot out there there's a yes. lot out there yeah um, I think we've done a really good job there's still a lot to do so don't 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 say I'm I'm planting a flag in the ground saying mission accomplished move on to the next right of 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 increasing tier one spend increasing tier two spend tail spend I think is the next frontier for us to really start getting into and exploring ways to to measure, track, and report. I love it. I absolutely love that. And I think that, you know, if you're not utilizing some of that tailspin and not capturing that as supplier diversity, procurement, supply chain professionals, you could be missing a huge opportunity. I mean, a company that we spoke to, I want to say maybe three or four months ago, they had close to about four and a half million in tailspin. And I wouldn't have thought it was that much, you know, but they were like, oh yeah, it was. Yeah. And I'm like, that's a sizable amount for some small businesses to, to try to, to capture. Oh yeah, it really is. It really is. And, you know, we also have to remember the audience too, right? So it depends yes. on the size of the corporation and the rules they have around how they handled their particular corporate cards, right? I've talked to Central. some corporates where, you have your own personal credit card that's, you know, to Adam yeah. uh, and it's my social and everything like that, my credit score, but the company pays for everything on it. Right. Right. And then you have other instances like myself where the company's like, no, here is your company logoed issued <laughs> card, <laughs> corporate card. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think this, the later scenario is easier to track on. Right. right. Because that's tied into the company AP system, usually using something like concur or the like you know, to capture those transactions as they come through digitally. Right. Uh, I think it's harder when it's somebody's personal card that then doubles as their corporate card. 
Right, right. That's definitely harder because then it's based on, I think, individual limits, I think. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Based on individual limits and that type of thing. And then, you know, um, if we're talking about being slick and somehow having your electronic receipt demonstrate your certification, mm-hmm. uh, might not get that with somebody's personal card. Right. So it's these, I think these are some of the things, again, just some of those various things. They're not roadblocks. They're just speed bumps. So we got to think through, I mean, uh, I think these last two years show that we as a, a group of people can think through just about any situation uh, and come up with a fantastic solution. So I have a question for you for oh, our, good. I'm putting, putting my supplier hat on. Oh, okay, good. I'll put my oh. corporate America hat on. Yes, thank you. So if I were a supplier and wanted to do a business, do business with a, a corporation and we have a solution that's, you know, under 50K. Let's let's talk about that. Okay. Would you suggest that I still go to the supplier diversity team? Should I go directly to? I mean, because this again falls under tailspin. Should is there is there someone usually in the organization that's that's monitoring and managing that tailspin? I mean, what are your suggestions on best approach for some of these smaller suppliers that are that are providing goods and services that fall under these do- these larger dollar amounts? That's a great question. And I think on a high level, I would say that still contacting the supplier diversity department is a great idea, regardless of how big or little your spend is. Sure. Just because the overall mission of supplier diversity done well is they should be connectors, right? They they should be so ingrained in whatever company industry they're in yeah. that they can say, oh, yeah, well, you probably want to talk to this person or that person yeah. or like, they're, we don't buy that at all. Right. Right. Um, they so should be your guide always, through the they organization should be your guide, still, right? Yeah. And yeah. We've, we've talked about supplier diversity professionals need to be a little bit more of a Sherpa through our own firms. Right. So I'd, I would always start there regardless. I think that's just a great contact point. The other thing too, is about that. Um, a lot of times, as soon as they find out you're a diverse supplier, guess who the business is sending you back to the supplier diversity department. Right. So if they can, if you kind of c- cross that bridge first and go, Oh no, I've already talked to them. That's why I'm here. Then the business be like, oh, okay, right. I don't want to say they want to pass the buck. Sometimes that happens just because they're so busy and they don't stop and think through it. Right. Little suggestion. Been there, seen it done a hundred times. Or, or on the positive side, they could say, well, let me, let me connect you to the supplier diversity team so we can make sure that we're capturing, you know, our engagement and our spend. Should I decide that I want to contract with you? Exactly. For all those reasons, really good thing. But I would say a majority of my efforts, my hours spent trying to court somebody, then at that level would be spent more on the service manager side of it. The person who's actually going to produce the credit card, write the PO uh, to purchase whatever it is you're selling, right? right because right. as of right now, we don't have a really good way of tracking it and we're not really tracking it, mm-hmm. right? So tier two, or it's not tier two, tail spend from a diverse that's, where our diverse suppliers may be playing mm-hmm. nine times out of 10 probably will not be recorded in the overall spend mm-hmm. uh, of whatever firm is making that report. Right. So supplier diversity is not going to have a really close eye on it. Sourcing is not going to have a really close eye on it. Compliance isn't going to have a real close eye on it because they're still trying to solve the tier one, tier two issue. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the, the you know, that we, again, let's go back to the, yeah, the, the bell, well, and it's yeah. also the bell curve, right? It's like, yeah. where do I, when I, if I only have 10 hours to throw at an issue, I'm going to throw it dead center at the issue. That's the main part of the bell curve, not the tail part of the bell curve. 
So true. Such a good, mm-hmm. good point, especially with supplier diversity teams that are managing globe with sitting inside of global organizations and, you know, right. maybe only have two or three. If they're lucky. You know, right. You know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, what, you and I know this just from being in the industry that yeah. we've had an increase in supplier diversity departments. I mean, we have the numbers. Sure. But when you peel back the onion, you find out it's somebody who was kind of given that as an, oh, and by the way. In addition right. to your other In addition to negotiating all these other contracts, <laughs> right. right? We also want you to do something around supplier yeah. diversity. Yeah. And again, where are they going to go? Dead center where the mass is, and that's under the main part of the bell curve. Yeah. Tier one. Yeah. We need you to take this on as well. So, yes. Yes. I cannot tell you how many times I've had that conversation. Mm. Like, yeah, I do supplier diversity. Oh, yeah. And I negotiate all of this. I'm like, uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, got it. Gotcha. Got it. Got it. Uh, I don't want to go off on that tangent, but a lot of times when I see that, it it makes me think how important is this to the corporation if they don't have at least one dedicated person yes. to this? Yes. Uh, well, you know, the co- corporations are not uh, immune from keeping up with the Joneses. <laughs> you know, they really aren't. And, yeah. and, and, and the men and women that run these large corporations are competitive by their very nature. So therefore, mm. you know, they see their friends do it. They're going to do it, too. They might not understand why. Right. But that's why we have people like you and, you know, yeah. higher ground in the world to explain to us. Why are we doing this? Mm, not like, just thank higher you for, ground, but also yeah. people like you oh, who also help add the color that we need to. Thank you. Some of these things that are very confusing and complicated they can be confusing. Yeah. And, and also very different from corporation to corporation. That's oh, the yeah. biggest thing that I feel like is, is difficult for suppliers to, mm-hmm. to grasp is that not all these companies handle supplier diversity the same. Not all these companies right. handle tailspin tier one, right. tier two, and right. it can be difficult when you have a lean team to just navigate this whole space oh, of supplier yeah. diversity. It- it really and truly is, you know, and how many times have I been at a national show and a supplier is frustrated, right? And I'm talking to them. They're like, I just don't get it. I can do a local show and people are like all over this product. I come to a national show and you guys are like, and next, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, yeah, but let's, you know, when you start breaking it down, then you find out that they're kind of niche and it's yeah. only in industries that make sense in that particular area that they're working in and at a national level, there's, you know, so it's, it's really Wow. I mean, it kind of gets back to what we always talk about. It's just understanding the why are we doing this, right? Yeah. Why am I doing supplier diversity? Why am I at a national show? Yeah. Why am I not tracking tier two and tailspin? So, you know, I think we all need to be, and we say this all the time, more intentional about our efforts in 2022, you know, as, as corporates, as suppliers, how am I spending my time? What are my goals for this year? What's really going to help me move the needle? Yeah. And what you have to remember is, <clears throat> boy, we've diverged from tailspin, but anyway, we're going to keep <laughs> going down this path. What's being asked of supplier diversity departments in 2022 is way more than was asked of supplier diversity departments in the years beforehand, whether it's Combined five people, years. One, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because now all of a sudden you start adding in things like um, uh, environment. ESG. Right? Mm-hmm. ESG, right? So you start mm-hmm. throwing in ESG and guess who gets that? The supplier diversity department. Oh, and then by the way, we want you to not only just mentor suppliers, we want you to put together a specific program that we can say we have a supplier diversity development, blah, blah, blah. Right. So now you're trying to put together a whole educational section. Yeah. Right. It, it goes beyond the, 
I thought I was here to help build relationships in your supplier bench, but okay. Yeah. You know, and, and all of that takes a lot of work. So you're taking teams that are already like, we have a lot to do. And now there's a lot more for them to do. I, I, I want to definitely think about in 2022, how can we better support our supplier diversity professionals? Because mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot that we've done to kind of help suppliers navigate mm -hmm. how to do business with corporations in 2021. How do we help, you know, in 2022, how do we help corporations and supplier diversity professionals I, take their programs to the next level? Right. And right. I think the key to that is collaboration and conversations mm -hmm. and, you know, inside their industries, outside their industries. Because I think also when you talk yep. to people outside your industries, you think and hear of new innovative ways that you may not have thought about. Oh, OK, yeah, maybe we could do that. Yeah. And see, that's what I think I'm really missing um, from not from these shows not being live over the last two years. Mm -hmm. Right. It, you cannot put a price tag on the casual evening conversation in and around the industry with people outside your industry. Right. Right. Uh, there is a lot of value there uh, that yeah. you just can't really duplicate in a virtual environment. So I look forward to being able to have a lot of those conversations again. Uh, and like you said, I, I love where the focus of the show is going to be this year. And that is trying to really work with our corporate partners uh, and, and help them build the world-class programs that we know they want to do. Right. I mean, nobody goes okay. into supplier diversity for, the quote unquote wrong reasons. Absolutely. You just need to make sure that your efforts are focused. Absolutely. And, you know, tying it back, you know, leveraging tailspin Thank you. to, to make <laughs> Thank sure you for that bring it around. Full circle. You leveraging tailspin to help, help right. you reach your goals and right. creating some communication around how the organ inside your organization tailspin can be used for your entire organization to meet the supplier diversity goals, getting champions and advocates across the organization that I think is critical. It, oh, most definitely. Right. Most definitely. Because when you start again, we come, when you look at tailspin, it's not like we're creating a new revenue stream. It's already there. Right. Right. And then understanding what the appropriate um, tactics would be for our diverse suppliers to take advantage of that tailspin. Right. You know, it's, 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 it's a different sell. Right. Um, and and it's also going to be a different product offering. So, right. Yeah, I think there's there's a there's still a lot to do in Tailspin, but I think there's a lot of potential when we take a look at it, you know, um, and really try to dig down in it and make it a, a compelling argument on both sides. But, you know, I think this conversation kind of starts getting us going in that direction, at least. Absolutely. Absolutely. If this episode was helpful to you, be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcast and be sure to connect with us on LinkedIn at Chloe Gidry Reed and Adam Moore. Yes. And please check out our previous shows and stay tuned for next time. See you soon. Thank you, guys. Thank you for listening to Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground. We are grateful for the time you spend with us in participating in these conversations. Please review and rate and share our show as we are focused on growing awareness in the supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity space. If you'd like more information, please visit us at higherground.io. That's H-I-R-E ground dot I-O. Thank you for being here, and we look forward to seeing you next week.